So 40 days after his birth, according to Jewish custom, Mary and Joseph bring the infant Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem in order to perform the ritual of redemption of the firstborn son. As devout Jews, it was uh, their tradition, it was their plan to offer a sacrifice according to what they could afford. In their case, not uh, the more expensive lamb, but the somewhat cheaper uh, either turtle doves or pigeons. They were a little flustered, though, already before they ever got to the temple because Jesus, on their way, had already gone through several pairs of swaddling clothes before they ever got to the city gates. And then uh, Mary was a little bit put out with Joseph because he told her he knew the shortcut they could take, but it ended up being a long cut because they ran into some construction that he didn't know was there. And so just like a normal family, they wrestled that stroller and rifled through the diaper bag and fussed and sputtered and kerfuffled all the way to church. And some of you know exactly what those mornings are like. And then frustrating them even more, Somewhere between the turtle dove booth and the altar, they're interrupted by an elderly man named Simeon. Now, Simeon was well known around the temple as a righteous and devout man. Everybody knew Simeon. You say Simeon, everybody raised their eyebrows. Oh, I know Simeon. They smile. Oh, yes, Simeon, I know Simeon. No hint of nonsense in his past or his present, just a straight up dependable son of Abraham beyond reproach. He's just, you couldn't have church without Simeon. Simeon be there waiting for you in the atrium. When you get there, he'd shake your hand, give you a hug, ask how you're doing. That was Simeon. Simeon's the guy in the sanctuary, just had a keen eye for visitors. People come in, staring up at the chandelier with their mouth open a little bit, and he'd go to them and give them an order of worship and ask how they're doing and help them find a seat. That's Simeon. Everybody loves Simeon. But if Mary and Joseph know who he is, Luke doesn't tell us. So for all we know, and all Mary and Joseph know, some random member of the senior adult Sunday school class has just stopped them in their path and scooped up the baby right out of the stroller and started talking to them. And you get these kinds of people in church, endearing, lovely people, who don't think twice of coming up to a young mother-to-be and rubbing her pregnant belly and ask her how she's doing and oh how are we're so all so excited you just assume from a distance that it was the young woman's mother but that's the way the words run here Mary and Joseph enter the temple they take a few steps and before they can say excuse me Simeon is holding and bouncing and swaying with the infant just halfway singing as he talks. Now, it had to be one of those moments where the mother's sixth sense kicked in immediately because Mary just lets it go. And Joseph lets it go because he sees Mary letting it go, and he's fine. Because Simeon just had that completely non-threatening way about him, that smile on his face, that twinkle in his eye. And it might also have had to do with the fact that as he was swaying and swooning with infant Jesus... He was also praying. Simeon's looking at the child as though he's seeing a vision of the kingdom of heaven. He's just, he's astonished. His eyes well up, his voice cracks, but Mary and Joseph can just make out the words 
of his prayer. Master, now you're dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon's been waiting for this moment for only God knows how long. Now, he'd had a revelation some time ago. We don't know. It could have been when he was a teenager or when he was middle-aged. We don't know. But for some time, Simeon has been waiting because he had been told in a revelation that he would not see death until he had met the Messiah and seen him with his own eyes. So this prayer to the infant Jesus may have been among his last words. For all we know, they had Simeon's funeral a week later. The things foretold to him came to pass. He was ready to go. But after Simeon says, Amen, he hands Jesus back to a relieved Mary and Joseph, and he blesses them. But then his facial expression changes from overjoyed to something more serious, even somber. His eyes widen, and he speaks almost in a whisper. The message is something just for them. He tells them, this little one is destined for the falling and the rising of many. And he will reveal the inner thoughts of many. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon underscores the foreshadowing from earlier in the second chapter of Luke. You remember the swaddling clothes a sign of the linen straps that will take their shape around Jesus' body post-crucifixion. The manger, a sign that this infant will one day offer up his own body to be devoured in order to exhaust our death-dealing ways forever. No room in the inn. A sign that this Jesus will finally be rejected and have no place to lay his head. It often takes that eccentric person of faith, someone like Simeon, to recognize these signs, to give them shape, to help the parents understand. It takes someone who loves the faithful and knows so well the stories about God and God's people that have been handed down for generations that he can make these connections And help us recognize the Messiah in our midst. How could we ever know when Jesus arrives, when God shows up, or what God will require of us, or how Jesus will invite us to follow him if we don't invite and we don't listen to these elder prophets among us? How can we ever know how to endure suffering or be resilient in our faith without those in our community who have cultivated such sensitivity to God's presence. They've been around long enough to have seen the way life changes and the way time and history move, the way God works in time with real people in their daily lives. They not only have this perspective of a wise elder, but just that peculiar perspective that comes from a lifetime of faithfulness in season and out of season, and a lifetime of seasons of waiting. 
that makes them able to recognize when something of truly biblical proportions is happening around us or to us and what it will ask of us and cost us. Paul Tillich once told the story of a Jewish man who, as World War II was raging across Europe, somehow escaped being sent to one of the concentration camps in Poland. He left his home, hearth, home, kith, kin, all gone, and made his way and eventually he was faced with the choice of very likely being captured by the Nazis or living with others undercover in a Jewish cemetery. Like the others, he took up residence in an empty grave or tomb, and he spent the rest of the war hiding there, One day in the grave next to his, he witnessed a young woman in labor being assisted by an old man in a shroud. The baby was born, and as it took its very first breath and began to cry, the old man in the shroud took the baby and lifted him up to heaven and said, O God, hast thou given us Messiah? For who but Messiah could be born in a grave? Simeon hands the child back to Mary. And then Anna comes. Now, where did Anna come from? She's like 84 years old, still sprightly, still got a spring in her step. She's been living in this place, this temple, her whole life, kind of like an anchoress. She just, they just put up a lean-to for her out by the sacred garden, made sure she had plenty to eat, took care of her when she was sick. She's lived her whole life at church. She's not only spiritual, she's also religious has been so her whole life. And she comes up and she interrupts them. They're still trying to get these turtle doves to the altar. First Simeon, now Anna. And Anna's pointing to the child and saying to everyone else, look, it's him. Now who else would Simeon pick up and hold? This is the one. This is the Messiah. Wondrous counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, right here. He's here, finally. Look, look on him. Behold him. It took these two elders a lifetime of faith to cultivate the sensitivity and the wisdom to see of all the children that came, of all the parents that, that brought their newborns into those doors and made their way to the altar. It was this one that caught their eye, that they scooped up and danced with and swooned with and whispered to and pointed to and on whose behalf they preached to others. Simeon and and Anna's all around us. And this Christmas, part of the pain of this Christmas 
is that we can't be with them. The young have been separated from the old, the old from the young, and how we long for each other, how we need for each, for each other. So I want to take this opportunity, the first Sunday after Christmas, to point to the time when we will be able, the young, to be able to be with the Simeons and the Annas of our congregation, and for the Simeons and the Annas and our congregation to be able to embrace the young again. And to say, wait. May we wait with patience. May we give thanks that we have been together so that we may know the joy that we long for of being together again. And when that day comes, we walk again into the atrium and into this grand sanctuary. And we, the young, find ourselves in the presence of prophets and priests who point the way for us. And the prophets and the priests and the elders among us may enjoy the company of new life and new promises. May that be our prayer, that this will be the one and only Christmas of our lifetimes. When we have to wait at a distance from one another and long for the prophecies of Christmas to come true in our midst again. We give thanks for Simeon and Anna. We give thanks for Mary and Joseph. And we give thanks for all the Christmas prophecies that have and do and will happen again. Merry Christmas, beloved. Thanks be to God.